I met, let's rewind all the way back in Texas, right? Right. I think it was Dallas. And um, what year was that? Do you remember? That was maybe 2016. Yeah, it was a long time ago. All I remember is you came up to me and, and, and you probably don't even remember this, but you said, hey, buddy, I've got like a much smaller practice than yours with much less patient visits, but I have like four times your Google reviews. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was such a taunt. It was great. Oh, I didn't. Um, I don't think I said it like that. Yeah. No, I know. That's how I received it, but it was good because I was happy because you you put me (laughs) into a service that uh, wound up giving me a lot more. But you know what's funny, Paul? I don't know if I ever told you this. You probably knew it, but Google took down all my Google reviews. I remember that. Yeah. Woof. That was such a kick in the crotch, man. I I think you went from 13 or 1400 to like 10 or something like that. Yeah, I went to like 12. I was the, and they only kept the bad ones. Yeah, right. I was the most rated uh, dentist in all of the state. Yeah, you went went from from like like, Five yeah. to like like five. two. Yeah, two. exactly. Thank you. Yeah. And guess what happens when Google does that? You have no recourse. Yeah. And you didn't get any recourse. You just had to start no, over, right? Nothing. Yeah. You just had to rebuild. I didn't do anything. I mean, we never incentivize people or, you know, it's, it's wild. But um, what are you going to do? Such is life. Yeah. You know? I remember, I remember that. Did, didn't we speak about it? We did because I was doing a presentation and I was talking about the power of Google reviews. I Googled you and I said, oh my God, what happened? And then I called you and I was just like, dude, like that's a crusher. Like, I remember what I said to you too. Do you remember? No, no. It was something along the lines of, dude, how are you gonna, How are you coping with that? I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, <laughs> life moves on. I'm healthy. I'm able. I'll just keep moving on. <laughs> I was mad. I was yeah. upset. I was oh, no, trust me, I was too. That was after dealing and trying to, yeah, there's no recourse. It's basically like if Twitter deplatforms you, you're not, you're not, yeah. no, you're not going to the Twitter police. I guess maybe see, now it's different with Elon, but. But see, I was, I was so worried for myself just because I was like, we, we use the same platform. Yeah. And I'm like, is this, gonna, is this about to happen to me? Like, this is like, yeah. this is like the lifeblood of my new practice, like, syst- or, or new patient system is Well, is clearly reviews. it wasn't the lifeblood because we went from an amazing review dental office to the worst possible. We're still here. So yeah. it didn't sink us completely. But um, yeah. yeah, we're slowly building back. Yeah. Um, and I never got any reason why that happened. But um, it's so weird. You know, I had patients telling me that, like, hey, I wrote a review and it says uh, this, we're not able, I'm not able to review your business. So uh, it's really interesting. Like, I guess, um, Maybe Sergey Brin came into my practice and we like did a filling it a chip or something. Right. Said, you know, or so I'm wondering who did you piss off? You must have someone important, buddy. Yeah. yeah. And you see anyway, some important people. I do, man. I do. But I guess, uh, you know, there's a pl- price to pay with all that. Yeah. So we have a lot to catch up on, man. So I want to give the Paul Etchinson story. Oh, what are you showing me? You're living. I like that. For those huh. watching, we're <laughs> getting a tour of uh, Paul's living room. <laughs> it's my basement. Um, Oh, is it really? I'm tucked down in the basement. I like that little neon stripe there. It feels very, uh, feels very disco like. Yeah, this is our disco tech. This is already. I I just come down here and I break dance. It's great. Oh, really? Can you zoom out? Let me see a little move. You got some (laughs) popping and locking for me. (laughs) Got a cardboard box you can disassemble real quick and (laughs) just me in my box. Just, just me and my box just enjoying ourselves. <laughs> uh, so let's go through the Paul Etchinson story. This is my yeah. recollection of the story. I'm going to hear your story as well. So we meet in Texas. Um, you call me uh, a couple months or years later. I don't remember the time. It goes so fast. But it's like, man, I want to do what you have. I want to build what you have. I want multiple doctors and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, why? You're like, well, you don't want to make money when I'm not there. Okay. Um, well, how much are you making? I make blank. Holy shit, Paul, you make that? 
<laughs> yeah. Well, how many days a week are you working? Uh, like three. I'm like, man, you're rich as hell. You're making a lot of money on three days a week. You're like LeBron James of dentistry. Yeah, I know, but kind of want to build more people, <laughs> get it bigger. And then you do that. And then I get another call like, hey, you know, I'm not sure I really like everything that's going on. Yeah. And again, this is just my hallucination. I want to hear the actual reporting of the story, but this is how it happened in my mind. And then next call a couple years later, hey, affiliated with a really cool DSO and, you know, just wanted my freedom. Now this call, super happy. Yeah, I found <laughs> so, it. It worked. So is it, what what really happened? Like, give me the whole timeline. I want so, to the whole story. Is so that, I remember is that at all accurate or not? Really? It's, it's it's fairly accurate. It, is it, I, I know what you're talking about, because it's like I remember calling you. And I'm like, dude, I just got to I need your advice here because I was I had the opportunity to take the space next door to me where our practice is in a strip mall and I had the opportunity to take the space next door to me, double in size, get a bigger practice. And you wanted to talk to somebody who has a big practice. Hey man, was it worth it? In retrospect, would you do it again? And that's kind of the answer I wanted from you, but your answer was more turning it back on me. Well, why do you want it? What do you, what do you want this for? And I decided against it and I didn't do it. And then that opportunity came up again about two, two and a half years later and then I did it, but it was for, it did, I think I went into it that second time with some different goals with the first time it was just like, well, next logical step. I mean, just keep growing, but keep doing bigger, 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 more, more, more. And then when I went through it the second time, it was like, I want to back myself out of clinical practice. I want to have a more associate driven model and I want to have a little bit more time off and just step up above the noise and be more CEO level than. Okay. But then you achieved all that and yeah. still wound up being a little unhappy. So I'm going to put oh, it yeah. on that. So what, yeah. what happened there? So, so, like, so I remember like, Hey, just the big compelling reason was like, I want to make more money when I'm not there. Well, Hey bro, you make a shit. I mean, I remember the number, I'm not going to say it, but yeah. it was a lot of money. It was, it was more than I was making at the time. And like, you were only doing three days a week. So you yeah. go through, you build an associate driven model. And then I, I do remember a time where I'm like, not so happy with that. What was going on? Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I think anyone is a business owner. It, we get really drawn down by all the, the situations and everything that's going on in the practice. And I think for me, I, I had a gift and a curse. Every, every gift is, is a curse at the same time. You know, it's just like, there's, it's that yin yang kind of sort of thing. And you know, my gift was that I had very happy employees, that I was very good at keeping people happy. I was very attentive to their needs. I was constantly focusing on, hey, what, are you happy? What are, what's bothering you? What frustrates you? Let's address it. Let's do it. Um, and I went a really long time. I went almost nine years without losing a single employee, which was insane. And I had a big team. And um, people couldn't believe it. Now, we eventually lost some employees. And in this past year with the labor market, we lost quite a few employees for As for a raises. percentage, um, do you mm -hmm. know what you lost? As a percentage, like what percentage of your team? Like if you lost, if you have uh, 20, you lost probably, that. probably 10%, you know? Yeah. We lost a lot. I just figured out yeah, like 10, percent Yeah. We lost a lot. We, we had like 13 people. I have a larger team transition. I was just having a, like a kind of like a yearly recap with my, my team. I yeah. didn't realize we had that. Yeah. But go yeah. ahead. I didn't mean to cut your story. But I was just saying like, I was putting a lot of weight and emotional weight on myself that everybody was happy. And anytime somebody was unhappy and it wasn't, it wasn't just like, I, I personally needed them to be happy and all in and, and, and a stakeholder in the practice and so passionate about it like me. 
And then I kind of changed uh, a little bit of my, my thought process and said, you know, what? I just need content people. I need people that are content because I was putting so much burden on myself to keep everybody 100% happy that I was attaching so much of my happiness to their happiness. It was just, it was a losing battle. So it became this thing of me kind of shutting people out and people being scared to ask me things, people that even bother me because I was just so like just overwhelmed and burnt out by everything I was doing. And I had a leadership structure at the office. I had leads, but I really wasn't leaning into them and in 100% trusting them. At the time, I thought I was. I really yeah. did think I was, but I wasn't, I was still like, since I was 100% owner at that time, I was still invested and, you know, someone would tell me something. I'd be like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Tell me about it. Okay, I got to go talk to this other person now. Okay, I got to talk to this other And my leads would be like, you want me to handle this? And I'm like, no, I got this. This got is big. It. This is so, big. So is it fair to assume that you were just scared shitless? Yeah, yeah. Because if you're, if you're walking around scared, it's hard to trust people when you're scared. Yeah. And, and, I, and it's funny because I think I know where we're going with this, but I want to keep going with it because – like I always say, like, what's the predominant thought that you have as you're walking around your practice? Because people have a tendency to be able to feel what you believe. Yeah. So for me, when when I was at my worst, the predominant thought I had was no one gives a shit except for me. Yeah. Or if you want something done, you have to do it yourself or no one cares or people suck or whatever it is that that thought is just broadcasting. And then people like actually become less engaged and hate, hate the job and hate you. And no matter what you say, and no matter how you coax your words, if you really believe that they'll actually feel that too. You know, yeah. like they say words are only what, 20, 30%. It's like, well, it, it, that's true. And that was me. It was like the fear of people leaving. And then it was me becoming more disenchanted, more burnt out on it. So right. in re result, I'm backing away and I'm trying to put up my walls and keep the practice, all the stuff going to practice away from me because I just don't want to know about more issues. Right. And then, and in the back of my mind, it's like, you know what? People are starting to see that I'm not as engaged. People are starting to see my failureships in leadership, that I'm failing the team, and, and me internalizing that I'm failing the team. I'm not as engaged as I used to be, um, and the, the practice is falling apart, and the world's going to shit, and everything is... is what year is this at this point? I want to get some time. Um, I would say pre this is... post-COVID? It's post-COVID. This is pre. Right? No, this is pre. This is pre-COVID. Okay. This is pre-COVID, okay. and this is probably all to 2019. I'd say, okay. yeah, 2019, like what well, we just, we expanded in 2018 to, uh, from a I five feel like to we 11 spoke up. around this time. We spoke yeah. around this time. Yeah, I think so. And it was just, um, and I didn't know what the solutions were at the time. I didn't know what the problem was, but it's just like hindsight is 2020. You figure it so, out. So is it safe to assume the problem was really you? Absolutely. In, yeah. In my experience, the problem was me. Yeah. It's, it's always been. Isn't you, it funny though? I hope we're reaching some young female or male, you know, some young dentist out there. I don't know even why I say female or male, but yeah. I was say young lady or a young guy. But um, I hope we're reaching some young dentists to realize, you know, Paul, how old are you? I'm 41. Okay, so you're young. I'm 51. I got 10 years on you. And my hope for everybody is that people can just have accelerated learning and not have to go through what we went through. Because when you can stop, you know, when you point the finger out, there's always those three fingers pointing at yourself. And when you can live in the domain of changing your own perspective, if you can get into the space where you trust your people and be, and you're happy and you have trust, then your team can flourish. If you can't, you might have to make more drastic moves. But the, the biggest thing is just like getting out of your own way. It's so, it's so cliche and I hate saying it, but man, it's like, it's a conversation that goes on inside. It's what you whisper to yourself, what you're telling yourself daily that predicates your outcome. Yeah, no, it's so true. And it was 
the the big solution for me and, and and just can come back and how did I get myself out of this funk and what did I do? I mean, it's it's a lot of things happened. One of them being me me selling my a lot of equity in my practice kind of spawned this whole thing of like, hey, you need to detach from the practice. You need to stop caring so much. But what ended up happening is I didn't stop caring so much, but I just started letting my leads run with thing a little bit things well, a little more. Well, you got unscared. You I got, got unscared. Yeah, I trusted. Scared. Yeah. You know, when you have everything riding on you, it's so scary. So I think it's it's um, partying with some of that equity is diversifying your risk. And then when you're not so freaking scared, you can actually behave normally. Yeah. If someone pulled a gun on you and said, dial your wife's number, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even the most mundane tasks, if you're scared, you can't accomplish them. So I think it's de- de-risking. So the funny thing is, is I have a lot of friends who have sold their businesses and I don't want to steal your thunder, but... For the moment that they sell their businesses, I have my my buddy Randy sold his business for big dollars. He saw the money get wired in. It hit his bank account. It was amazing for a couple of days to see it. And then they realized, oh, shit, I always had all this money anyway. Mm -hmm. It was just being put to work. And if you're a listener of the podcast, I don't know if you are or not, but I always say what my friends tell me, you never exit business. So what you did is I presume you got a liquidity event, correct? Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Where is that money now? It's deployed, correct? Now it's deployed, but yeah, right. right. So it's in business. It's just not your business. Right, exactly. So you didn't exit business. You just exited your business. And I'm not saying anything wrong or right, but it's just an interesting thing to consider. Money was in the business working. You got it. You paid long-term capital gains. You lost some of that due to government taxation. And then you met an advisor and met smart people or did some research. And now it's deployed in other people's business, OPB, Mm -hmm. not OPP. Yeah. And now you're kind of like, you're letting it ride, but you have no control over it. <laughs> well, yeah, more or less. Yeah, I guess you I, have no you, control over that. No control over it. Yeah. Most of, most of mine is in real estate. So it's with some different right, operators. That's, that were, that's not but a I, domain that you know as well as dentistry. No, absolutely not. No. So zero. like, you know, if the real, if, if the market, Tom, you, you, you don't have as many tools to like in your dental practice, you could pivot and do all sorts of things. And you knew how to do dentistry super well. You spent decades doing it. And now you're a beginner real estate investor. Yeah. At best. Yeah. You're, you're an expert. To, I just think it's funny. And I'm not poking fun. Well, I'm just saying it's just an interesting realization. You yeah. Had the money the whole time. Yeah, it was always there. And, and when it went into the checking account, it was cool. You're right. It was cool for like a week. And then it was scary. And then it was like, you're looking at FDIC, like, what are the insurance? Like, should I even have this oh, on the account? 200 grand. What, what? what does that mean exactly? That <laughs> means everything besides 200 grand can go away. Yeah, right. Exactly. So then you start freaking out. And then your paycheck is like mi- minimal because. Yeah, oh, wait, I have to. And then your wife yeah. is like, you want to go on vacation? Like, I'm like, no. Take, that's my nest egg. We can't we afford can't it. We can't believe that. We yeah. can't afford that. She's like, I thought we we're rich. I'm like, you can't spend that though. No, 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 we are. That rich, money's not that for money, us. That money is not for us. That's the state. Yeah, it's not so for us. You go into capital preservation mode. Yeah. Because yeah. like, it, and it's a whole different set of stresses. So I'm so happy we're talking about this. Well, I want to add something. Whole, yeah, please. I was just say, you know what I want to add on that too is that because I was working with a life coach uh, specifically for six, seven months. This was a big decision to. Yeah, I told to, you should have had sell. me as your life coach. I know. Well, you are my life coach. You're my. You're my. You're, my, <laughs> Whatever. you're, you're my. You're my B squad. You know. And I'm, gonna... I'm, I'm like your C squad. You <laughs> yeah. only call me after it's been done. Yeah. Right. This is our fourth session <laughs> over seven years. We're not yeah. eight years. We're not doing well. Well, I'm not paying you well, so it's like I, I, I don't blame you. Pay, exactly. <laughs> you, get, you get what you pay for. Okay, but, you know, one thing that she said to me is that. She she said, 
let's say worst case scenario what if what if it doesn't work out what if this this corporation comes in they make it all corporate you, you hate it and you're like gosh i can't make money at the practice anymore because i sold so much of my equity and i i wish i just had my baby i wish i had my my practice back do you think you could open another practice and i said absolutely and she's like do you think you could get it to the level you got and i said I'd probably get it there quicker and better, you know, yeah. knowing what I know now. And that was a big turning point for me because it was like, it's not the end all if I, if, I, if I sell my practice, because if I want to go back into dentistry and really get that level of, especially even if I want to be the primary clinician again, and maybe, maybe a higher end fee for service spa like kind of thing or whatever I want to do, maybe just do cosmetics. Um, I'll have the freedom to do it. So I would still say, yes, my money is in business, but it's in other people's businesses. You're right. But that level of control that I lost in that field, staying in my own lane, I can always get back into that lane. Should I? And that was a really comforting thing for me. And that was kind of the turning point that I said, you know what? There's no right, wrong answer. It's not right to sell my practice. It's not right to keep my practice. And I am comfortable with saying, you know, this is just a new chapter in my life and I'm ready to kind of step into it. And, you know, this is right when I was turning 40. So um, I was 39 at the time when I sold. That's awesome. I think I think it's safe to say as well that, you know, everything that you needed was already there yeah. for you. Um, you went through an exercise and it doesn't sound like you have any remorse. And I, I think it was the right move for you because, you know, you needed to go through it to see the have the context of it all. But for those that are sitting there on the fence, like ready to pull trigger, because we all know valuations are at sky high levels. There's talk of the recession hitting, you know, any minute if it were not already in it. And -hmm. I think there's a lot of people with their finger on the, you know, the effort button right now. What would you say to those people that are feeling like you having the purview and context that you do now? And, you know, what would you say to say to that person? What would you say to you basically? Yeah, um, there. So, I mean, I think the first thing I would say was kind of what I just said is that you can always go back to the practice and you can always go back to a new practice and, and nothing is final and nothing is ever worst case scenario. Now, I, I think there's a lot of fear and scarcity in, in the market right now because we're seeing these valuations and we, we're always like, gosh, am I going to miss this? This is happening in dentistry. This is never, you know, is this going to be happening in 20 years from now, 10 years from now? Am I missing the opportunity to get part of a big group and invest money and grow, grow, grow and, and grow my money and be Become really wealthy from this thing that's happening, whether we like it or not, in dentistry, in the dental industry. And I think there's, it's, I think it's hard to say, is this going to be here in 10 years? I don't know. Um, but I would say, from my experience, well, how- well you have to, if you're going to say that, just to cut you, sorry. Yeah. If you're going to say, is the dental world going to be the same in 10 years, wouldn't we assume that dentistry will do better than? potentially like luxury purchases or real estate. I mean, dentistry is, although we are kind of pegged to the S&P and discretionary income, it's definitely more recession proof than sure. other sectors. Yeah. So I, I just wonder if we were, if you're worried about the stock market, um, then I'd rather have my money in my dental practice than the stock market. Absolutely. Yeah. So. I, I have very little money in the stock market. I mean, most of mine is in multifamily real estate and uh, some buildings I own around here and then some bigger syndications uh, a little bit. Is that stuff you did post sale or were you active in that pre-sale as well? I was active pre-sale. Like I've been doing that probably about five years. Yeah. Okay. But when you looked at your net worth and your passive income before sale, if the dental practice disappeared, you felt like you'd be in a cataclysmic um, economic situation, you'd be in a problem? If, if I had, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I mean, because I would say, like, uh, compared, I was able to increase my investment 6x. 
oh, after, course, after yeah. liquidating the practice, you know? Well, you had concentration um, just in dentistry, probably like 80% of your net worth was tied up in your dental practice. Exactly. Yeah, it was exactly 80%, I think. Wow. So it's, it's, it's pretty much, you know, now it's, it's more passive. Nothing's truly passive, but it feels more passive. But yeah. And and now it's a yeah my now my passive income is 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 very high compared to my my dental income now because I I'm only a fifteen percent owner at this point in in my office, so it's 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 definitely a different lifestyle switch. But like you mentioned is earlier, is the practice doing better now than it was in your yeah. sole ownership? Yeah, yeah, we sold at four point three million collections. Right now we're at five point five in collections. Got so, it. So the practice. And did what grow. percentage of that? So let's not mention who you sold to, so it can be real. Sure. <laughs> I'm, yeah. sure it's, I'm sure it's available, but yeah. What percentage of it is due to the specialized systems infrastructure and support that they brought, and what percentage is due to a more relaxed, confident leader who can think straight? Hmm. Meaning you. I you really would, want to be fair. If I want to, if I want to be really, really, really one hundred percent fair, I would say ninety nine percent to the leader and one percent to the group. You okay, know, so look, and that's not. That. A, I want to say. No, I want no, to caveat it's not, that it's not. A, it's not a dig at what they brought. Yeah, because I'm sure they brought unique strengths and opportunities and systems and stuff like that. But ninety percent, or you know, is the reason why a business will fail or succeed is always the psychology and skill set of its leader. And of those two things, psychology is like 90% of that. So Peter, it is shocking to me how many people, one, have not actually heard about ERC, and two, have gotten the wrong information. And you and Trey being two of them, I mean, I consider you to be an epic business person. And when I talked about the employee retention credit to you, you were really dismissive of it. Like, no, I, I went through that, I got it, I, you know, it was great, I got it, it was done. And even Trey just now, we were just talking to him on the last pod, he's like, yeah, I already, you know, my accounting firm, they, they got it very little, they only got like five or 10 grand, so we know this is totally misunderstood. I was told I didn't qualify until I went to a specialist and they're like, you absolutely qualify and here's the number. And it, it almost startled me. Like I, my jaw was off on the ground. I'm like, oh, yeah, you don't serious? actually, you don't believe it. You didn't don't believe, believe it. it. But going yeah. to, don't ask your CPA, ask someone who specializes with it, which is why we actually have this awesome arrangement and we created a link and a company It's bullet, go to Bulletproof ERC to help kind of implement this because from this pot of money that Congress has has allocated, we want the people listening from Bulletproof to take advantage of it. So this is why right. it's kind of this this announcement is going on because it's don't like I said, don't ask your CPA, ask the people right. who this is the well, only what, thing they do all day every that's day. That's why we had to do this because initially I was telling everybody, telling you, telling everybody, like oh I, I went, we don't qualify. So like oh this is not going the way it's supposed to. Like you mm-hmm. have to go to the people that do it. So I'm really proud of that. Um, my buddy Norm works at the company. Norm, as you know, is like the nicest guy in the world. He's literally like Ned Flanders. He's like, he how really do you do? Is. He'll do. He'll fill out your form. He'll walk you through the process. He'll do the Zoom call with you. It's literally white glove services. You don't have to do anything. And this is what they do. And it's an unbelievable program. You have two ways to pay for it. Um, you can either pay up front or they can just take a percentage when they give you the money. And it is awesome. You did one, I did the other. We won't tell which one, who, who did what, but it's a government program. It's going to run out. Do not delay. It's amazing how many people are like, I'll handle a couple months. I don't have yeah. time. You don't need any time. Like this first is like come, crazy. First come, first serve, right? <laughs> first come, first serve. And I mean, I know the government's treated you well through the CARES Act and you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe I don't need this. It is your money this to have. This is part of the CARES Act. 
Right. It is part of the CARES Act. But a lot, I mean, even when I thought about it, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to take, you know, more money. But this is a program that's allocated for people like you who have kept your employees, kept your businesses open. Do not take it for granted. If your account told you, or your friend who's a lawyer told you, do not leave that stone unturned. Go to bulletprooferc.com. Spend five minutes. It's worth the due diligence. Do not assume anything. And even if you filled it out, you got something, but it wasn't, you know, what you think is commensurate for your size business, go ahead and reopen the process. You can amend these things for different years. Yeah. So do yourself a favor, take the five or 10 minutes, have a Zoom call. You may be leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table, which is not prudent for you, your business, and the families that your business supports. Do it for them. So it's not skill set. So what do we do as dental business owners when we get scared? We go learn occlusal training or we go learn sleep apnea training, which is great. Don't get me wrong. That's awesome. But we don't enroll in a business dental summit. We don't go to the Bulletproof Summit or we don't like get mastermind or things like that. We just we go to clinical and that's the wrong move because what you got was you got peace of mind, clarity, and then you could actually be the true Paul Etchinson that you are with me and everybody else and not this insane lunatic. You're like, we're losing money. We're going to go, you know, yeah. it's not, it's not because you're, you're a, a, a gunning businessman. I, I know that business owners, we feel this challenge because of a responsibility to our team. We're not just like you said earlier in the podcast. It's not that we were just failing the business, we're, you're filling them. You've got all these mouths to feed and, and kids in school. It's a lot of pressure. And, uh, um, and we're not trained. We're, we're in that we're completely ill-equipped to run practices. There's no talk about this. And we all suffer silently, you yeah. know, just thinking we're all failures. And, geez, I wish I could be like Paul or Bolden or Spodak or whatever. And we're all freaking miserable. We're all having trouble. Yeah. And, and, and that's a, a big thing. And you mentioned the, the psychology and, and, and it was, that was the difference. That was the next level for my leadership was the psychology. And I was, I went from, you know, when having a team of 10, you can kind of manage everybody on your own. Yeah. You can kind of talk to everybody. You don't really need some kind of leadership structure. But then when we got 40 plus employees and maybe I could only manage 15, 20 of them, but I was still getting super burnout. Now I'm able to just focus on my four leads. And that's very simple just to kind of listen to them and have them and do, do all those things and do the leadership with their respective teams. But um, I did that because I sold equity. It wasn't right. so. So the, partnering up did provide that for me, but I didn't need to partner up to do that. I just needed to change yeah. my psychology and my leadership style and um, and just back off a little bit. Like, you yeah, mentioned there's a Maxwell. There's a Maxwell quote. It's like the first person you have to lead is yourself. Yeah. You know, and you also said something, too, which is reminiscent of the day we met with the Chuck Blakeman philosophy is like stuff needs to be managed. People need to be led. And you conflated the two. You were yeah. running around like, did you do? Did you do? Did you? You know, and just people yeah. now you're just like, hey, I don't have as much skin here. I'm, like, I'm well off. I'm set. This is like I'm playing with house money. This 15 percent. I mean, God forbid you're not going to lose it all. But if you lost it all, it is not yeah. it's not an existential threat to your life. No. And now, so you can actually be you. And I know you well, you're an awesome human being, but stressed out people are not themselves. You're a different version of yourself. So I, I went through the same process, by the way. Yeah. You know, and it was, it was a weird, it, I didn't sell, of course, but it was a, it was an awakening to like, you're set, you're fine. No matter what happens, you're going to be okay. And even if the practice got hit, God forbid, by a freaking tornado, I could rebuild, I could do this. 
Yeah. And that only comes with time and, and perseverance. But one thing I'm really excited for you about is you're super young. I mean, maybe, I don't know how you feel, but at 41, you know, at 41, I was a mess, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and so for you to be arriving at this place at 41, it's just really powerful for you. Well, you know, it's, it's cool because I'm, 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 I got less than a year left on my contract. Um, my original intention was, Hey, sell this thing, get out, move on. But now it's like I have two five-hour days, you know, just three weeks a month, and I'm doing ortho on kids, and I'm doing Invisalign, and I'm Wait, doing Wait, how veneers. many days a week? I'm so sorry. I... Six days a week. So six total days. Oh, I'm sorry, six total days a month. Two days, two half days a week. Okay, two half days a week. Got it, yeah. And I have three months where I only do two weeks, too. So it's, it's even less than that. So, but it's... Yeah, similar for me. I'm one day, one column a week, but now I'm going to... I think I actually... You're going to hear it first. I've never, I haven't told many people this. I think I'm eliminating clim, clinical or like really yeah. drastically reducing it. Yeah. I need opportunity. But, I, but it's weird because I love it. Like yeah. when you finally get, you know, you get out of the chair, there's everybody like colloquially wants to do, and then you, you start missing it. Yeah. So, well, it's, it's, it's like doing ortho and, and you know, with you, you do yeah. predominantly Invisalign, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, it's for me, that's predictable. That yeah. is, that gives me the level of, of challenge and unpredictability, but it also it's predictable to me. It's not doing, you know, fillings and crowns and all this other stuff that one thing me, too about it, Paul, that allows you to do as well is it allows you to still have time with your team. If you're in an FMR yeah. and you're doing that, you can't get up and have a 20 minute break. Yeah, or multiple, but with with orthodontics, it does allow for that flexibility. So for those that are considering, that love their ortho practices, but do it, they're heavy hitter restorative people, and they want to grow businesses, and they don't have much strategic time. That's a great way through it. That's you know, so Bolden fun. never had that choice. Bolden only did FMR. He only did uh, full full cosmetic rehab. So he was an eight to four day, you know, or whatever that is. Yeah, you're not getting up in the middle and like checking hygiene patients and stuff like that. I'm getting up. I'm chalking to the front desk. I'm talking yeah. to the hygienist. I'm all over. I'm, I'm just shooting the shit, enjoying myself. It's 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 so like what I was saying is my original thing was to exit, but now that I'm coming up on my year where I can do it if I want, and all I have to do is the three months notice, uh, maybe sign some papers. It's I, I'm not exiting. This is good. Yeah, good I you. love this level. You know, I, I love and I, all that noise of dealing with the stuff. I mean. I have my team, my leads telling me stuff all the time. They're just like, yeah, what's going on? Do you want to know about it? I'm like, you know what? If, if I don't think I need to know about it, I don't need to know. And I couldn't say that two years ago. I couldn't, I couldn't even stomach that. So it's like all this partnering with the DSO allowed me to do this, but it had nothing to do with the DSO. It had to do with how like, me selling equity made me feel psychologically that allowed me to release myself and then saying, why didn't I do this years ago? I could have had this so, years ago. I could have had so, this kind of level of practice. So here's an exercise for those that are stuck, right? Let's talk to those people for a second. Yeah. Stop tracking what you what you earn and do a proper net worth analysis. Like, you know, let's just say so so for those people, like if you do your net worth and you say, Hey, I think my practice conservative is worth this, this is what I owe, and put it all down on paper. Cause I talk to a lot of people who feel really unfulfilled. They're like, I went out on my own as an associate, I was making 350. Now I'm making 200 as an owner and I'm making so much less money. And I have to go through this thing like, okay, well, what did you pay for your practice? How much of the, how much have you paid down in debt? You know, add what you've paid down in debt to your, to your earnings. I mean, the best 
income we could ever have is one that goes from right pocket to left and doesn't actually you know pass through taxation paying down debt and, and your your business appreciating and we started doing this exercise where it was like 200 plus 300 plus 50 grand in debt plus his practice went up he thinks by about 200 grand I'm like okay so you actually really move six hundred thousand dollars in your net worth yeah. you only made 200 good for you you only got taxed on 200 as ordinary income but you're six hundred thousand richer so really what you did is you you had the ultimate net worth analysis you weren't stipulating what your practice was worth you got to see it hit your freaking bank of america account you know and said okay mm-hmm. now i can get seven percent on that and this is going to build up you know seven to ten percent or whatever your stipulation was and, but it's an exercise that any of us can go through yeah, and Any of us can go through it. And yeah. it's important, too, because it, when I did it, I had a number. I had, Everyone's got their number. This is once I get this in worth, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. You know, and, and, and I think well, that's, not everybody has a number. So kudos to you for having that, because a lot yeah. of people don't. It's never enough. Well, and yeah. you had a number. Yeah. And then when you hit that number, you remembered, oh, shit, that's more than the number I used to talk about. Yeah, that's okay, what it was. I'll pay attention. This is what you want. Because like I remember telling myself, like, if I could make this, I'd be happy. Yeah. And now I make three times that. I'm like, sometimes no. I'm like, do I make enough? Yeah. But if you, if you have if you have that number and you write it down, that's powerful because then you, you promised yourself you'd say it was enough if you got to that number. Well, it's good. To, you know, it's good to have enough. But then it, like at the same time, like my brother-in-law is building a brand new house and it's uh, it's bigger than my house. And I'm looking at it and going, man, maybe maybe we need to build a new house. Maybe, uh, I, yeah, do, I, maybe I do. Have, maybe I do. Have, I and then, and then I, I sit back and I say, no, it's not going to be any different, man. You know, yeah. It's not going to do what I, I know. I know better. It's not going to do what I want. Yeah, but. I have no attachment to that. I remember. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I, I was I took a and there's stories that I could tell you, but they're not worth the time, but I don't have that anymore. I don't, I don't, I don't want anymore. You know, the yeah. things I want uh, are the things I have. I, you know, I just want, you know, I mean, that's a sound. It's like just health, time with family, stuff like that. The money doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Well, you, and it's also because I, I reached it. I reached yeah. what I thought was the right position to be in. So. Exactly. Yeah, you get there, and it's it's like that cliche saying, "Man, hey, enjoy the journey, man. Enjoy the journey." Yeah. I don't know anyone that's enjoyed the journey without getting to a certain point in their life and saying, "Man, I really didn't enjoy that journey." And then, and then I, I find myself. No, I telling. know a lot of those people. Unfortunately, yeah. I know a lot of people. I went to dinner with these two guys. They're both like billionaires, and like yeah. halfway through the conversation, that we joke with each other. They're, you know, they're, they're talking about their jets and stuff like that. I'm like, well, guys, you know, I just flew to Houston on a. You know, semi-private jet. It was uh, it was amazing. It was a seven thirty seven. Like really, a Boeing business jet. I'm like, yeah. It was like you know, three hundred twenty of my closest friends. It was Southwest. That Southwest sticker, but it was really private. And, <laughs> and like, I just make fun of myself because I can't compete. But then halfway through, they're talking about like you know how much money this is. I'm like, guys, I feel wealthier than you do, and I yeah. meant that. You know, yeah. because some people have really toxic relationships with money. I know very wealthy people who are really unhappy. True. I know people that don't have a lot of money and they're super happy. So money just fixes money problems. Yeah. And it's easy to say now because when you have money problems as you and I have, we've had I've had you know moments where I'm like I am going at a business 100% sure I cannot make payroll. Let me think about who I can borrow money from, but I think that's that's the part of the journey that makes you happiest. Yeah. So like getting your ass kicked, almost failing, and then that that's what, I, you know, don't resent the process. You have to go through the ups and downs to be happy. If, yeah. you just, if it all works out perfectly, you won't be happy. Yeah, I, I just don't know anyone who can actually enjoy the ride 
from the get-go without going through some ups and downs and going through that process. I think it's a, a psychological process we have to go through. And, and like you said, easy to say now when you, yeah. when you, when you well, don't look need at the it. trust funders that, you know, look at the people that were born into money that never had to work for it. Yeah. They're not doing very well as a bunch of those people. Well, you know, I even read that like the second generation money, like 70% of them will lose it all. And then with that yeah. third generation, it's like 90%. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's different. Yeah. Making money is in, is in having money are two different things. You know, it's like, yeah. um, it, it requires a different mindset. You know, I, I was, I was uh, talking to Mark Costas and I was on his podcast and I Sorry, said, who's that? Mark Costas. I was just joking with you. And I know I love Mark. And he, and he uh, mentioned, crazy. and I talked Mark, about, I love you. If you ever, if that clip comes out, I love uh, you. someone's, someone's yeah. texting him right now. Like, yeah. oh shit, you should have heard He's what he said. Shit. Oh, I can't talk and, crap about that guy. Kick my ass. <laughs> See the guns in that dude? Oh, dude, huge, massive. Yeah, yeah. he's he's dedicated, man. He he only yeah. eats fish, and uh, yeah, he's well, look at him. spot on. I know. Yeah, yeah. He looks like the liver king. He's like a clean version of the liver king. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But he okay. he had asked me. I said, man, what are you striving for more now? Like, and, and just just kind of piggyback off this conversation we're having, is I said the only thing that would really change, I think, if I made more money, would be private jet travel. And that would be it. And then he talked about his and said, well, actually, it is a game changer for me. I travel a lot. And that's, yeah, understood. But I can't really understand. I, I can't fathom many areas in my life that could be more plentiful with more money. You know, for me, I'm kind of the same as you. I just, I, I value time with my family. I'm valuing time with, I, I've never been a better husband. I've never been a better father than I've been these, these past two years. Good and, for you. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and it's like, and then I, and I look at it and I say, why, why didn't I do this years ago? Why did I gun ho so much at the practice? Well, you know, Paul, you're super, super young. So I think you're, you're way ahead of the curve on this. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I actually, Thanks. I think you're uh, way, way ahead of the curve. You know, you're a very, very young man. I mean, I was good. I, I mean, listen, you're you're in the right spot, the right place. And I, I also want to make sure to clarify for the audience: it's not that there's so much money; it's that you have a rec- realization of what's important. And I think it's healthy because there's a, no one teaches us. Number one, no one ever teaches us about money. And you know, when we go through dental school, we're you know we're strapped. We're some of us are in our late twenties by the time we get out of dental school. And we haven't really enjoyed anything. We went right. Many of us went right from college, eating ramen noodles to taking out subsidized loans. And, you know, now you're a doctor and you Mm want to be you want to have some sort of gift to yourself. But in fact, you have hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and the gift of a Mercedes to yourself when you just sign your first job as an associate is probably not the right idea. So we strap ourselves even more. So we have massive debt and then we spend because we're making good money. And it's pretty safe to say that most of us do better each year. So we never account for, you know, investing and, and, you know, putting away for the future. And we're a very wealthy group of salaried people that don't really have a lot of net worth. And most of us can't retire when we reach 65. It's, we're not, again, we're not doing well holistically as a yeah. profession. Yeah, yeah, it's totally true, man. It's, it's funny. Why, why ramen noodles? Why is that like the poor man's food? Why does it get such a bad rap? I love what, ramen give noodles. Me another, give me another thing that you can buy for 99 cents that will put fill up your stomach. I don't yeah, know. I still eat ramen noodles. I love ramen Oh, well, you probably have nice ramen. I'm talking about like cup of soup, like hot water. Do you eat those? No, they're little bricks that you got to boil. You eat those, right? Hell yeah, I eat those. I love oh, those yeah, things. that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you could retire. That's why. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah. Honey, listen, I'm going to stop because oh, I'm 85% of my practice. I just <laughs> got exposed to the, the, real, the, real, the real model. 
I love this uh, quote by the Stoics. Um, I think it was uh, Seneca who said it. He says, not wanting something is as good as already having it. Yeah. Not wanting something is as good as already having it. So, you know, I went through time where I, I had all the stuff that, you know, all the stuff that you'd think was to be successful. And I don't wear, I don't use it anymore. I don't wear my nice watches. I don't really care. I drive yeah. an F-250. I don't drive a fancy car. And it just, it's its a mellowing out process that happens to a lot of us. And it's such a good process. It's going from like, it's going into your wise years. And I think you're entering them just a little earlier than you'd expect. So it's good to have that. So what's what's exciting you now? What's What do you got going on? Oh, if you're, if you're you know, a little bit more casual in the practice, you got to channel all that Etchinson energy into something. No, I, I just released a second book. And um, my, my title of my book is, it's, it's Dental Practice Hero 2. It's the sequel to my first book. You can read each either book by themselves, um, but it's it's more about how getting yourself down to three days because I really do believe that we should get to we got to get to a point where we can run the business and I and I've noticed that with my practice as I've stepped out of the chair that we've grown faster and there's nothing wrong with doing clinical as a dentist like you mentioned you love what you do and I like what I do now um, but you can still do that you just can't do as much of it and really take the practice to the next level so I do I'm doing a lot of writing um, I'm considering uh, I want to write a, a leader book but I want it to be mainstream. I don't want it to be dental, you know, because oh, good for you. I want my, to do the same. Let's do it together. Yeah. Like my book, my book sold a lot of copies for dentistry, you know, but I want to, I want to sell a ton of copies. And I think I got a lot of ideas and I just got to, I haven't figured out my, my angle that I'm taking on it yet. You know, cause you got to make it somewhat clever. It's got to have a certain, so doing that, um, my like what that idea, my wife has a uh, business with her her partners where they they do self empowerment classes for girls eight to thirteen years old and oh, that's awesome. I've been trying to trying to get that to scale. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm dragging them up a hill in their business, but that's and do they want to go or not really? <laughs> they they do, but it's like I can I, I carry it and I'm like let's go let's go okay, we're doing this hey uh, I need yeah. this from you there's I need this from you worse, and, by and the then way. and then there's the momentum and then I'm like okay you know what? I feel like I'm pushing you guys I'm, this is yeah. your business and then yeah. I back off and then they're like hey, and they'll what? hate by the way they'll hate if you really push them <laughs> like I have this ability to see talent in people yeah. and I want it more than they do and that is torture for them yeah so yes. like hey if you need me I'm here but if you got it we're good it's you funny know? it's like i'm backing off on it and my wife asked me today this morning she goes hey what's going on with like what are we doing now i'm like i'm waiting on you guys for these two things and like you haven't she goes you haven't mentioned it in a few weeks and i'm like i mentioned it two weeks ago i'm not I'm, i can't keep doing this i can't keep pushing you guys but but that kind of lights me up i like i like growing that um i'm really enjoying doing my own podcast um, How's that I, going, by the way? It's going great, man. It's I, I enjoy doing Can you it. Air and, this on that podcast. Yeah, I will. I will absolutely. Yeah, awesome. I will air this on this on my podcast as well. Um, but you know what's funny is like I, I had a you know I, I mentioned I had a life coach, but I also had a therapist as well. You know, and I've had therapy on and off throughout my life in certain stages to kind of help with transitions and and it's something it's it's I think it's also life coaching having therapy, and um, me and my therapist had when I sold the practice. I really, I had a lot of coaching clients at the time, and I just kind of cut some of them down, raised some fees, some other people just quit. I didn't have the gear contract, so I was able to kind of cut that down. And I really just had a lot of open time in my schedule, which was a little scary. And there was this urge for me to like, hey, let's fill it with another project. Let's let's do some more, let's start another business, let's do this, let's start another practice. Let's, And um, I committed to for like six, seven months. I said, I think this was maybe like January, and I said, I'm not committing to anything until September, October, next fall, which is this past fall. And it was hard to do. 
And yeah, but, but, when, but when I did it, that opened up a lot of time for me that I wanted to fill with like projects and, and, and stuff. And, and, and what happened is what really filled that in was family. Yeah, and that awesome. was that was a big part for me that I think you know I didn't I wouldn't talk, ask me two years ago no it's not, I spent tons of time with my family ask me now two years ago I wasn't spending enough time with my family and um, you don't know it till you get it and then now it's like I don't want to do anything else dude how I'm, old I'm, are the kids Paul I forget uh, seven and twelve oh, my, good years my good my age. daughter my oldest she's got a boyfriend she just no, got her first 12? just just got her first boyfriend well, I had a boyfriend I had a girlfriend at twelve six oh, yeah, you're, you're, but it's like you don't done. do anything I, dude I remember I remember kissing this girl. And, and thinking it was the grossest thing ever. I'm like, how why old? am I? Sixth grade, 12 years old. You were kissing at 12? I don't yeah. know when I was kissing. I just, all I remember is the circumstance around my first kiss. I hated ketchup, and yeah. I knew I was going to kiss the girl, and I called her at the house like to see if she was going to be at the party. And that's back in the day when you had to like, talk to the mom, which yeah. is like, terrible. <laughs> you, know, like, yeah. you know, now you could like, swipe and like, get a girlfriend. Like, I had to like, talk to the mom like, yeah. with my squeaky voice or whatever. So I'm but I'm like, I remember talking to this girl, Alyssa. Uh, shout out to Alyssa if you're there <laughs> for being my first kiss. And she's like, she's like, I'm like, what are you? She's like, I'm having dinner. I'm, just, I'm like, what are you eating? She's like, macaroni and ketchup or something. And I hated ketchup. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be kissing her. I want to fall like eat the ketchup. So it's probably like 12 or 13. Yeah, maybe it was 21. I can't remember, but it was it was a long time ago. But well, that's I awesome. Like, I was doing yeah, my like daughter's this. 13. Thank God, no boyfriend yet. Yeah, well, I asked her. You know, what's really cool is my oldest. Like, she talks to me about it. Like, she's just like, "Oh, that's you. awesome." Like, he said, and, and I don't. I, I I resisted the urge to like, you know, bust her balls about it. Like, hey, like, how's your boyfriend? You know, because because do because I, I know that'll that'll make her shut down. So she's like yeah, talking to me about it. Open yeah. lines oh, dude, and I love it, and it's so funny. But I asked her. I said, "What do you do with a boyfriend?" She goes, "I don't know. Like, kind of the same thing I was doing with Adelaide. We just kind of text and talk and stuff." I'm like, "Do you like hold hands?" And she goes, "No." And I'm like. Oh, that's cool. You know, whatever. And, I, and part of me is just like, all right, good, good, good. Yeah, and, exactly. and, and you know, and, she, and she's got a herpes appliance now, so I don't know how much. Like, <laughs> I, think, I think I'm good for at least another year. year. Yeah, right. I think she's good at least for another year. Hopefully, no kissing yeah. with that thing on. But yeah. um, install a tongue. Right but dude, it's, it's it's such a weird like trip just to be so focused on the kids, and it's good I'm not. You, I feel like I got a healthy relationship with it. I'm not too overly focused or helicoptering, but I'm um I'm engaged, and, that's and, awesome, and I think they'll remember that I was there and it was a part of their lives and that's that's kind of what I wanted to do and that's that's what lights me up now at least yeah. so so yeah. let me let me just unpack the therapist too for a second like yeah. what drove you to because in my mind therapy is like um you know I, like I'm a big believer in the self-help and the coaching and stuff like that I love it I'm a product of all that I just don't have a whole lot of experience with therapy yeah. the only experience I have with therapy is when I was a kid we, uh, we went to a family therapist, but after like six sessions, I realized I was the only one going. So <laughs> it was all for me. Yeah. It was family therapy, Craig, go for it. Yeah. So they sent me to therapy and I didn't love it at the time. So tell me what what was the distinction between therapy and coaching and now that you've had kind of a, a good experience. Yeah. Well, I think life coaching is all about like getting intentional about what you really, what really sparks joy in you and what you like to do and, and kind of poking holes in your thinking of, I'd say life coaching is more going forward. Life coaching is like, this is That's what I was going to say. I really yeah. like this. I like this. And like, well, why don't you do that at the practice? Oh, I can't do that. Why not? And then it's just like poking holes in this, your thinking yeah. and stuff like that. Your limited where, beliefs. Where I think that where therapy is. I, I understand yeah. that to be life coaching. So tell me, tell me then therapy then. What's, therapy what's that? is about realizing how your, your emotions and, and are, are the products of things happening in, in your life, but it's, it's your reaction to them. Yeah. So you're it's in the review mirror. You're, right. you're going forward in the interpretation of the review mirror. Right. So it's, it's learning things about yourself 
yourself so that going forward you can attack problems better. And, and I think one theme that for a conversation right here is that I, everything that's changed in my life in the way that I feel is not a product of the circumstances. It's more a product of, of my internalization of these ideas and changing my attachment to things, you know, yeah. cha- changing my attachment to other people's feelings and, and just becoming more Zen-like, more like chill, just like at peace. Like I said, I, t- I think I told you before we hit record, this has been the most turbulent year at the practice we've ever had. And, and because of labor market stuff and, and you know, it, it, inflation and, and increasing costs, but it has been the most peaceful year at my practice in all the 10 years we've, I've had the practice. So it's, it's not the circumstances. It, it was me all along, but I had to go through this process to get there and, and find it and figure that out. Yeah, I'm so proud of you, Paul. It's so good because I've, I've spoken to you like in some degree of regular regularity, like just maybe not in, in frequency of calls per year, but like there's a good cadence of us talking every year too. Yeah. And and this represents like really the first time where it's like that peacefulness, yeah. you know, it's always like, why, why are you looking? Well, I think I should, I think I should. And I think like people like you who have that striver's curse, ultimately what you're trying to crack is fulfillment. And I think you've done a wonderful job and I'm proud of you because it's uh, um, what you realize is it was always there. Yeah. So what a good lesson for every listener that, Hey, it's, it's, it's there already. Yeah. You know, you just, you just have to go through it. And for those that have had massive struggle, like you and I have had, that's also part of the process too. So don't look at Instagram and see what your friends are doing. How come their life is so easy. You have to go through it. And when you suffer, you know, whatever your suffering is, whether it's past events or, or angst or whatever you have, it just increases your capacity to feel. So although the troughs are low in the same way the sine wave gets flipped over, you have a higher capacity the higher highs will be higher. And and, and for those, um, you know, that's kind of like why I think like the antidepressant thing and the, the research that's showing that the antidepressants don't work as well, it's because they mute everything. They mm-hmm. mute the lows, but and unfortunately they mute the highs too. So you live a more muted existence and um, you and I are, I'm dragging you down a conversation that we're really not well equipped to have because we're not, you know, <laughs> psychiatrists. But, but, but I just think that part of the reason is this belief that suffering and going through strife is cruel and unusual and not ordinary. And mm-hmm. you and I are living examples of no. Not only is it ordinary, it's necessary. It's good for you. And I'm sorry you're going through it. We've been through there. We've had really harsh moments, a lot of tears, a lot of sleepless nights. But it's going to be okay, and you're going to get through it, and you're going to be happy that you went through it. It's not meant to be easy. It's made to look easy because of Instagram and everything else and the the things, the clips on YouTube, like you're an entrepreneur, wake up at 5 a.m., drink seven raw eggs. This is how you do it. It's not how you do it. There's a lot of failure. And I think it's, there's a, we're in rare air when guys like you and I who have quote made it finger quotes for those not watching are admitting publicly. No, we really suffered. Yeah. Yeah. And And I I think that one of the things too, is that you, you, you got to look at these things that the suffering is, like you mentioned, it's part of it. Yep. And it's almost like you've got all these feelings and they're coming to visit you and you got to let them all into your house. And, you, you know, we think we have to like shut the door on anything negative. You know, yeah. you're not supposed to feel that. No, just invite that in and just be with it and notice, know that it's going to be up and down and that's normal and that's unavoidable. And I think to, to give that someone some actionable advice is that if you look through your past experiences of your life, you have gotten through every single thing. You've gotten through it. You're batting a thousand. Like you, you can. Um, one of the things that was different for me is putting the trust in myself that you know, no matter what happens, um, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to do all right. I, I got a text from my assistant lead today about uh, an assistant we can't hire because she wants this amount of money, and it's way out of the ballpark. 
Yeah. And then and then my my knee jerk reaction is like, do I not pay people enough? Am I am I being stingy? Am I being greedy? Should I be paying people more? And then it's like you get through this whole thing. It's like you know what I'm feeling like I'm I'm feeling greedy. I'm, I I need to pay people more. I'm not doing right by my team. And then when you just kind of sit there and that and I feel it, and you're like you know what? No, what? I am a good leader. I am a good boss. I do pay people well. This is way out of market from anyone buying my area. I can't even believe this person thinks they're going to get this money. Um, and, and, and if they do, if they do, great. If she does, yeah, if know? she does, that's great. Yeah, you know she might. If I was super desperate and I had zero. Assistance, and I might pay that for an assistant just to have yeah. one. And there might be somebody out there that will. Yeah, and if you're a practice that has zero assistance, that might not be the best place to go. I don't know. It might not be a very good work environment. Who knows? It's, it's all going to even out. But um, it's it's just like inviting that feeling in and knowing that that's normal and it's normal to have those feelings and there's nothing wrong with with having them. Um, that's that's where I'm at now. I'm more chill with that. Whereas like something like that would piss me off for at least five days. You know. Yeah. I think that's cool. Like you're going to suffer. It's just, you're not going to spend so much time in that bad space. Well, it's a waste, Um, you know, versus like, you know, the old version of me would suffer for months or whatever. Now at now at moments or hours. So that's, that's true. There's a great thing. This is reminding me by the way of, um, it's, uh, have you read the book strength to strength by, um, Mm. Arthur C. Brooks? No. So Arthur, he, he, I, I, I skimmed the book, but I listened to a podcast. My wife sent me the podcast with Oprah. And it was really cool because um, he starts talking in this podcast that he was on a long flight at night and he was working on his laptop and he's flying in first class, this author, and he hears a conversation behind him. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it all wrong, but the gist of it is that it's, he could ascertain it's a husband and a wife. And he's not trying to eavesdrop, but they're kind of the guy, the, the man is an older man, he's emotional. And he's saying how, like, I'm such a failure. I, you know, I don't even know if my life was worth it. You can tell it's an older man by his voice. You can tell it's a wife. And the wife is trying to console him. Don't be ridiculous, honey. That's not true. I failed everything. I've never added any value. Blah, 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 blah. And at the end, the plane lands and the lights go on. The author's almost even forgotten, but the lights flick on. He sees that the man who is speaking is a very, very influential, famous person hmm. that is, like, dedicated his life to serving humanity at a very high level. And it just goes to show that no matter where you are, these feelings are human feelings. They're not you feelings, Paul. They're not me feelings. This is just programming that human beings have because we're tribal animals and we have two innate fears that are programmed into us genetically. Number one, fear to stay alive, fear of death, or else we just like, you know, we'd hold my beer, check this out, like jump off a cliff. And then the second fear is belonging. Because as human beings, tribal animals, if you get kicked out, if you don't feel you have to fear being out out of the group so that fear of like do i treat my people well it's just an innate fear and it's normal and everybody has it and then that allows you the grace for yourself because if that famous dude that spent his life helping people still has it then how the heck do you and i not have that yeah yeah you know because no matter what so it's just a human feeling and then you start having grace for yourself because you realize it's just everybody that has this and that's usually what wisdom gives you time like you know a couple trips more around the sun and you realize oh my god you too you too and then it starts getting more grace for yourself See, I, I think this, this is why you're my life coach. No, well, you don't. Well, send, me, send me five bucks if you don't mind when we're done. I'll send my demo app. But yeah. no, it's it's true because that that's what just starts to happen. And I've been around a lot of people and it starts to be like, oh, man, you too. So it's just a human thing. And we're not being real if we're on this podcast or others on this podcast saying how great our lives are without the understanding that we've all suffered and that mm-hmm. we continue to suffer. Our suffering's not done. I mean, our family's getting older. Our parents are getting, you know, going to get sick. We're going to face a lot of hard shit. So, like, right now, 
is a really good time when people are healthy and you're okay. This is a fucking magic moment. This is it. Life yeah. doesn't get good for weeks and months on end. It's just good for moments, you know? So if you can recognize the moments you have, then you're going to have a very fulfilled life. And, um, I'm just really proud of you and I'm happy that you're on the podcast because you Thanks. always bring such good value and you and I talking together, I think is for the right audience is, is really powerful as well. You know, I, I'll follow up on what you said. Has you ever, have you ever read the book, the space within by whom? Who's it by? Uh, Mike. Mm, I can't think of what it is. I can't think of what, who wrote it, but it's, it's I'll a great book, but it's a, uh, it talks about this analogy of a barge, and there's a roller coaster on this barge, and it's just moving. Michael Neal. Yeah, Michael Neal, and it's just it's going this roller coaster. It's going up and down, and you got your eyes closed because you can't open your eyes, and that's the metaphor for the highs and lows of life. And then it says, but you're on this barge, and you're moving down this river, but you've had your eyes closed your whole life. And what would it be like if you opened your eyes just knowing that it's going to go up, knowing it's going to go down, and it's going to go around, and it's going to keep doing it? You'd eventually stop focusing so much on that up and down and you just look over the side and look at the passing that you're passing slowly down the river and just yeah. enjoy the ride and it's a nice metaphor for life that this up and down is going to always happen but just don't lose focus of that we're moving gently down that river and where is it going to take us and, I and was, you know what the crazy thing is you know what typically opens people's eyes is some tragedy yeah so people close their eyes and go down the river until something really rocks the world and it's unfortunate as human beings, some people need a major ass kicking, um, you know, whether that's a, fa a disease or an illness or a loss of a loved one to like, finally be like, holy shit, like, you know, how much of my life is gone right? and how much was I distracted over? Um, you know, so that, that's just the product of age as well. So again, I think you're, you're way ahead of the curve um, on that. So just kudos to you, man. We need Thank to you. talk more. Yeah. I'll send you the $5 for on, on Dunmo. Yeah, I'll sign up on your calendar and I'll send the payment before I even book it. So you okay, know, you'll all show up. Five dollars is fine. Yeah. So uh, one little thing I want to I want to do a little bit. Of, uh, I'm gonna. This is a a, a moment I want to ask you about because you get your ear to the uh, to the to the dental field. Are you familiar? Have you been hearing a lot about ERC or are you familiar with ERC employee retention credit? Yeah. Yeah. You are okay. Got it. Because Bolden wasn't, and I think Bolden's like this rock star dental business person. Like really? I actually told him about it and said, like, "Hey, you know, are, are you doing anything now? I don't qualify or whatever." And he got like, shit, "We got shit, like big, big checks for that." Yeah, I got You're, a big check for it as well. Like, but you got it before, or even though you <sighs> sold, you could still get it. I got it a year and a half ago, maybe. Oh, good for you. You're always ahead of the game. But my accountant brought it up to me. Yeah. So, yeah. So a lot of people still don't know about it. And this is kind of like a little bit of a plug, but we, we made a, a company with, we made a company, uh, an affiliation with a company and Peter and I used it and it's just like, holy hell. And I can't believe how many people still don't know about it. Well, I have a friend that's a chiropractor and we went golfing and I was talking to him. He's like, what the hell is that? He's yeah. Like, oh. He goes, I don't think I have enough employees. I wouldn't cancel. I would have right. qualified. I think he got like $45,000. Yeah. So I have a, we, we, yeah, <laughs> we have a couple friends that are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So yeah. time for just a small plug bulletproof ERC. Um, it's really cool. It, it, um, it's, it's a really cool company and we were able to do really well. And I'm just shocked that everybody's like, nah, I check with my accountant and I'm like, well, check with these guys. And they're yeah. getting like 200, 300, 400, 700. I have friends, unfortunately, that are in the, you know, I say unfortunately, cause it's kind of like taxpayer dollars that are yeah. like tens of millions of dollars. And I'm like, you didn't need that. But it's like, you know, listen, if, if the government has these programs that are rewarding us business owners that have kept in business and 
you're, you're foolish not to take advantage of it. Well, it's like the PPP when that came out. I go, I'm not doing that. That's Me wrong. Me too, bro. I'm, Me that's too. bullshit. And then after a while, I'm like, well, everyone else is doing it. I know, it's dude. Free the same money. thing with me. I actually said the same thing. I'm like, I'm not doing this. Yeah. I'm not doing this. And but it's like yeah. free money. Okay. Well, if I, it's, it's not going to, I'm not going to make, I'm going to make one stand and be like, oh, I will not do that because I'd stand on principle. It's making no difference. Yeah. Just give, give me the money. I just yeah, <laughs> I know, but I did feel the same way. But and yeah. even with the ERC, I actually felt that as well. I know. I know. I'm like, so you know what I'm doing? I'm actually creating some really cool bonus tiers as well now uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, for, for my ERC money. So I like, you, you know, whatever our targets were for bonuses for Q1 and Q2 of this coming year, I doubled the amount. You know, oh, there you so go. Nice. It is yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah which I think sure. you're, you're foolish not to take advantage. It's also like, look, people say the tax code six thousand pages long. Twenty pages is what to pay in taxes, and five thousand nine hundred eighty are incentivizations, which you and I call loopholes. Mm-hmm. But listen, you're not supposed to pay more than you should. Yeah. You're supposed to. The government either wants you to a pay taxes or b creating opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is what it is. What do you do? What are you going to do? Got to play the game. Yep. But I appreciate um, your time, buddy. Anything else? What can we do to support you? What's uh, obviously buy the book when it comes out. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Dental Practice Heroes podcast. Um, All my stuff's on dentalpracticeheroes.com. You know, we got some business education there. Um, Check out the podcast, the two books. And, you know, what's funny is like I'm getting on the podcast again. And I'm seeing the book sales, but people are buying the first book still. I and mean, you don't have to buy the first book to read the second book. I right? like that you said that. So it's not a sequel. <laughs> yeah, it's or not a prequel. Even though it says sequel, it is the sequel it's, in the it's title. It alone. Oh, look at this. I'm on my Amazon, I purchased Good. this item January 27, 2018. Okay. And okay. I reviewed it. And I reviewed it. Thank you for that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thanks, man. Yeah. Did, and, you, uh, did, you, did you narrate your own audiobook? I'm about to. I didn't do the first one, but this one, I've had so many people tell yeah, me they I, want I me to do it. Oh, I'm, dude, I'm driving it, man. What a kick in the crotch. That was hard, man. Uh, I try. I tried to do my first one and I got like three pages. And I'm just like, screw this. I'm hiring somebody on Fiverr. But I, I've got to do it. And I don't know. I, I'll just get through it. It's going to be six hours of audio. It's probably going to take me 20 hours to get, you know, stuttering and, and saying words wrong. And I just. Uh, I know it's hard. I don't like reading out loud. <laughs> I know. Just, but you like podcasting, so that works. I like talking. I don't like reading out loud. You know, so. <laughs> well, it's the same thing, buddy. <laughs> reading out loud and talking. No, it's not the same thing. It's different brain areas. I'm, I'm sure I could find some like neurological expert to prove that. <laughs> yeah, our, our book's still selling. Look at that. Look yeah. at that. That's you know, awesome. it's, it's like I always check the bestsellers, and you know who always wins is that CDT manual. There's the codes. It's like uh, the <laughs> it's it's number one. Want to yeah, see well, what, what, yeah. what's the codes next year? What's the codes? Oh God, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the last review of our book. Yeah, we we got a good we got good reviews. We're like four point six out of five. But this last review, pretty basic. And uh, get an editor. <laughs> That's like, you can't do anything my, in this world. My mind, it's, uh, it's pretty basic and full of fluff. Peter's gonna be mad that I'm reading what, this. Well, my nugget. Glorification. I also didn't appreciate the foul language. Oh, but would have overlooked that if they provided real value. Wow, they were offended. Foul language. You offended Jeez. people. I do. Damn. You know what? This guy probably thinks I'm a fucking asshole. But he does. No, he does. Kidding. He's offended. He's, he's offended. Uh, we'll beep that out. Well, my, my negative review on my book was about grammar. Oh, and was like, it really? And I, I had an editor. We, we looked at. Grammar. Oh, I had an editor too. Well, I, think you know, it, well, I think that what they meant to say is get a better editor. <laughs> yeah, all right. Get good reviews, buddy. I want to get good reviews, but the one person that irks me. And I, I, uh, I, yeah, I'm pretty I sure. I you only got 
What, a two-star review? Yeah, and it's because of my... I got a two? Oh, did yeah, I have two? You, no, you only have... Two, you ne- you didn't have any one-stars. Yeah. You're very... You're 4.8 out of five. It's a must-read all the way down. I liked it. Well, somebody yeah. somebody said something about the, the grammar. Someone who is is polished about impression and brand image should do a better job of the grammar and spelling. And I'm like... Uh, I'm re- I, I, like, I agree not- with him, by the way. Your grammar is really, really? crappy. No. Well, I, well, I, read, I read that no. damn thing. I read like 20 drafts. I, I'm like, what did I miss? I can't find that <laughs> negative review. I'm searching it right now. I'm trying to find it. It's, I think it's a three-star review. Yeah, you have only five stars. Did he change it? I don't see a single bad rev- uh, three- a, I, I have, I have an account. No, there's not a single There's a three-star. No, there's not. There's, anyway, all stars. I know the star. guy. I know the guy's no, there's name. there's not a two-star. And I won't speak it because we don't Oh, talk. yeah, here. Oh, yeah, there's a three-star review. Yeah. Good read, insightful. That's a good review, buddy. Yeah. But way too many grammatical mistakes for someone who preaches branding. I So this is this is actually a good review. It's, it's funny because I, I see it. <laughs> see, it's funny. It's like it was my perception. It's like, oh, F that guy. I'm like, no, oh, no. Right? It's a good read and it's insightful. If someone said, hey, I want you to read this book. It's a very good read. It's a good read and it's insightful. Would you not well, read it? I think it should be a four-star review. Okay, I don't think that should be a I don't think so it should be. SG, a... if you're listening, I know you wrote it. Uh, you wrote a review on December. Oh, believe me, if he doesn't like your grammar, imagine, imagine if he reads ours. <laughs> we, we actually had a good editor, though. I think ours read well. Yeah. Anyway. Um, it was great to talk to you, buddy. You too, um, man. Go on d- the dentalpracticehero.com. Is that correct? Dentalpracticeheroes.com. Ooh, yeah. Dentalpracticeheroes.com. Yeah. And check out my, my good buddy, Paul Etchinson. Thanks for um, joining me today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I want to see you at a summit, too, by the way. Can you come to a summit? Yeah. You know what? I was trying to go to this previous one that you had. And uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'll come next year. Yeah, I'm going okay, to So August 11, uh, win, the win in Vegas. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I look forward to seeing you there. Yeah. Hey, listen, you want to speak at that one? That'd be cool. Oh, that would be cool. I'd love to. I'd, li- I'd love you to speak. You'll, when will your book be out? Uh, my book is out. It came out about two weeks ago. Oh, no way. Yeah, oh, it's I'm out. I'm sorry. I, miss, I missed that. No, yeah, it's, it's out. It's... Okay, I'm buying it right now on Amazon. Boom, you just made 11 cents. Nice. Oh, man. <laughs> That's... Even even more financially secure. I, I made enough to pay your life coaching fee, at least. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome, Paul. You're the best, man. Really appreciate spending this time with you, and um, hopefully, um, uh, we added some value. I think. Yeah, we did. absolutely. Thanks for having me on, man. And, and as always, Craig, you're somebody I very much respect, and uh, Thanks, you, you have helped me more than you know many times along my way. So I appreciate cool. it. Thank you well, for that. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for doing what you do for dentistry. It's all paying it forward now, right, buddy? Yep. Cool, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, Make sure you check out Paul and his podcast as well. And we'll see you soon, everybody. 